it wasn't even like we need to make a webinar for this. I just want to do it. Yeah. Right? So it was a passion project. I think that's another reason why I like it so much. Because I, I really owned it. Nobody was, no sales or like metrics around how many leads came in or whatever. None of that was involved. I just wanted to make it for fun. Actually, my favorite version of it is post on YouTube just publicly, you know, on purpose. Uh, because, uh, you know, that, that's like my passion video. I want people to see it. I don't, I don't want to lead for it. Just watch it. And if you learn something, that's cool. If not, that's cool too. From Boston, Massachusetts, this is Going Live, a show where we talk to various marketers and industry experts on the art of going live. From creating webinars to videos, we discuss how people manage stress, how they get comfortable going live on air, and how they create digital events that bring in hundreds of viewers and keep people hooked. I'm Farah Sheikh, a growth marketer with a passion for video and the latest technology. With me today, we have a colleague and friend of mine, Sam Wainwright. He's on the product team at Formlabs Dental, a company that makes 3D printers for dentists, orthodontists, and dental labs. I've personally worked on almost two dozen webinars with Sam at Formlabs over the last two years. In total, Sam has done over 200 live speaking events, both in person and in digital. And Sam is no newbie when it comes to making a jam-packed presentation that keeps people hooked. He often can deliver a slide deck with over 100 slides in the matter of 30 minutes. So in this episode, we'll talk about how he gains confidence on camera when speaking to a big audience, what goes through his mind, how he makes high quality content without even using a studio team and specific tools that set him up for engaging presentations. Lastly, we wrap it up with one easy task you can start doing today to immediately help you get comfortable with the art of going live. So let's get into it. Thanks Fars. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. It's a, it's a fun topic because it's, it is really uh, difficult. And when you do a webinar or public speak in general, you almost like get a, almost like a high afterwards, if you know what I mean. Like just the <laughs> fact that you, for me personally, I'm not naturally a public speaker. I had to learn it right over many years, but it gets so nervous beforehand, you know, butterflies in your stomach. And then when it's over, it just feels so good. You know, it's like, yes, it's done. It's yeah. such a great feeling. It's almost like you could, you chase it sometimes. Yeah. Um, it's like a, it's a big relief at the end of it, at the end of that hour. It's definitely the best part. Um, yeah. We can back up a bit here. Sure. What do you currently do? And like, where were you in your career, I guess, when you first encountered having to do a webinar and having to speak to people live? Yeah. So I probably started my public speaking career like 10 years ago at a small company. And it was really in-person training, like hands-on, small group, six or eight people. Mm-hmm. I was teaching CAD software, dental CAD software, actually. And I was very relaxed in that type of environment because it was very engaging. People were asking questions. I go over, everybody had computers, right? And I had a computer at the front of the room. And I, th- I feel like that, that was a really great way to start public speaking in, you know, in front of strangers pretty much or people you just met. And then from there, I did public speaking at trade shows. So like big trade shows in front of like 30 to 60 people. And, and that was really, really nerve wracking. Mm-hmm. And the the process involved to create the slide deck. And, and every time I did one, I just felt more comfortable. 
and the decks just got better and I learned what doesn't work and what does. In the past two years, it's usually, I start out a little bit nervous, a little bit sort of not totally comfortable. And then I gauge how well I do by how I'm feeling halfway through. If I'm like rolling and I'm like putting in little anecdotes, like extra stuff, like a little salt or pepper on top, then I feel like I've got, I got into a rhythm and, and no matter who's watching or not, I could, I, it could just be a recording or me speaking to nobody, but I felt like that, that is the, that comfort level, even if it takes me 10 minutes into a 30 minute or 45 minute webinar, yeah. that is how I gauge a performance really. Cause That's- yeah because the deck is is important don't get me wrong and the setup and how you tell that story yeah but that comfort level and being able to joke around and be loose it makes everybody else watching feel comfortable yeah and it just makes it better that's so true is there's definitely what i feel like you're describing a flow state that occurs in the middle of a webinar at some point Mm -hmm. if you're not immediately off the bat feeling it Mm -hmm. it just reminds me of like when someone described to me what flow meant for the first time, hmm. which wasn't too long ago. <laughs> even, even I'm like, oh, flow? Yeah. It makes sense. And, yeah. So, yeah, when someone described to me what that meant, they were talking to me about how, like, you know, when they go skiing down a mountain and, you know, halfway through, they're just, they're not thinking, you know. Right. For them, the flow state of mind is, it's just you're so in the moment of the activity mm-hmm. that your mind has like no thoughts and you're just naturally doing it and really happy and content with it. And you're solving this sometimes maybe a complex problem at the same time. Right. Yeah, no, it's, it's, it's really uh, interesting. And every once in a while I'll have a webinar where like I'm just smooth the whole time and I'm feeling comfortable and there's no jitters. But yeah. that's pretty, I mean, even speaking as much as I have, which isn't a, a lot, but, you know, a decent amount, it's, it's, it's pretty rare still. I would say it's still only like 5 or 10% of the time where I'm going into the thing totally comfortable and just really nailing it. Really? Um, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. But then would you say oftentimes once you are, you know, some minutes in, you do end up finding that comfortable state? Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. What, uh, what you, every time. What do you much. think gets you there? I don't know. It's a good question. I guess it's just maybe sort of forgetting almost that mm-hmm. like it's this live thing and it's a webinar and there's expectations and all that. And like, you've just talked enough where like all of a sudden you're just, it's like a rhythm. Yeah. You know, it's like a, it's like a, you, you get, and also like, let's be honest, every webinar you do is sort of, sort of like a, a version of the last one a little bit. Right. Yeah. And you find that, that similarity, you know, during it. And yeah, you just, you start feeling it. And I will say, I've also been a part of webinars with too many speakers Yeah, and everybody's sort of stuttering. And then that's not great for anybody, the viewer or the presenters, because everybody doesn't feel like they're really comfortable and it shows. Yeah. You definitely can get a vibe around your environment. And if that vibe isn't good, it can, it can just trickle down to you as well. Yep. Another thing I'd mentioned about that is never over apologize. <laughs> like even if you mess up skipping the slide, you can joke about it, but I've seen presenters that, that apologize a lot, especially to other people in the webinar. And it, you don't have to apologize. Like people get it, like just roll with it, rolling with it and just sort of not really pointing it out like apologizing makes people think about what you did where if you didn't say anything at all 
nobody's really thinking about it. You got to yeah. get out of your own head. Because something that you might do might not even be picked up by or matter that much to someone else. Exactly. They could be taking a sip of coffee or something. Yeah. It's, it's like saying pretty much, I messed up five seconds ago and taking a moment for it. And the moment yeah. is like worse than the mess up by far. You're giving it airtime that it doesn't need. Yep. Yeah. No, that's, that's, right. that's totally a, a great point and a great tip that I think most people who are new to this should, should try to remember. Getting comfortable, I guess, speaking to groups of people and in, in-person trainings. To me, yep. there's always, there's always a, like a pinnacle moment in someone's life, especially someone who gets comfortable speaking at live events where something happened earlier on in their career or life that helped them get there. For me, I know some of those moments for myself, like I used to do magic when I was really young. Mm. That definitely gave yeah. me, you know, more confidence in, in yeah. people. It's, it's a really random, weird thing, but it's, it's part of my history. And right. It, it's showmanship really. And that's what presenting really is. Yeah. And, yeah. And for you, it's, I mean, it sounds like one of the things at least that helped you was being able to train people in person and help them with, with education. Yeah. And I think also I found, I, I'm not a complete natural, but I also found that like, I enjoyed it. Hmm. Like, even though I didn't enjoy it every time, maybe not the first time, but yeah. eventually in doing it like the first handful of times, I did actually enjoy it. And I think that helps sort of like when somebody's like, Oh, we need somebody to do this webinar or speak at this event. And I'm like, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. It's, it makes me nervous. I kind of don't want to do it, but at the same time I do, cause it's a challenge and it's speaking and same as webinars or in live or otherwise, it's always different. Yeah. I don't know why, but it is always a little bit different. Yeah, what about it is the, is a challenge to you? And like, I've noticed that about you because I've, I've worked with you on many webinars before. What what causes you to like, to raise your hand immediately or, or like take that on? I don't know. I, I, maybe it is chasing that sort of after presentation high that I get or, yeah. or I think it's also something that since I do enjoy it, I do want to get better at it. And I know the only way to really get better at it is to do it. Yeah. Have you, speaking of that, like getting, I feel like one of the things when it comes to speaking, I've heard a lot is, is practice. It, practice makes perfect. Yeah. But we both know there's, there's no such thing as perfect when it comes to art of fly speaking. No. What tactics or routines or habits have you employed through the last several years to, to help you practice or prepare for these events? Well, knowing the content and what you want to say down like Pat is key. And, and also I really, I do not use speaker notes. I do not read text off of the slide. I use the slide and maybe the text to remind me the points I want to hit. Yep. But the majority of what I want to say is in my head. If you're reading from text or your little note section, it's just going to come off as robotic. Yeah. And if you're, if you're not speaking from sort of the top of the head, uh, people could tell and, and they doubt sort of the, the, the information you're giving them because it feels not authentic, right? So it, it takes a lot. No, I also really, I want to give a shout out to, you know, newscasters and news reporters and, and these people who interview people like Terry Gross, uh, you know, on NPR, where she's taking on and ho like talking to people of such a wide range of topics. 
I don't know how she or any of these people in, in, this, in that profession could be so well-versed and so quick to think up, like, they, they don't know anything about that industry or that topic, but they spend enough time to research it and get comfortable with it, and, and they, they make it still feel comfortable, which I think is incredible. Like, I, it's easy for me because I know the industry, I know the technology, so it's natural. But having that on a really wide gamut of topics is, is really impressive to me. And the more you do it, actually, you start appreciating it when you listen to like a podcast or a news report or whatever. Certainly. Yeah. It's, I think when it comes, comes down to it, when, whether you're actually even doing a podcast like we are right now, or you're doing a presentation or you're at a trade show and you're speaking live, the more well-versed you are in the, in the subject matter, the better the language that you'll be able to speak to on the entire interview or uh, show. Yeah. So, so I think that's important for like planning for webinars, like how much time it's going to take. If it's a topic you're really not comfortable with, you really have to, to, to give yourself enough time yeah. to dig in and, and read and watch and, and learn as much as you can. Yeah. And also sleep on it. That's another big tip I would say. Yeah. Never finish a deck or like cram and then go right into it. It's just going to come out as jumbles. You need to sleep on it. You need to think about it. And it needs to sort of like digest a little bit. Interesting. I was going to ask you what is what goes into the preparation for the deck because I feel like that's such a, a key deliverable when you're when you're launching a webinar or planning for one, no matter who you're working with. So the twenty four hours before, forty eight hours before, the week before. Tell me what. Tell me how you get started on the deck and how, how you take it a step at a step at a time. Yeah, it's some way. I, I you know everything's different, but consistency I, I think- helps. Yeah. Consistency helps and it evolves. Like I, I have, like I find, especially for us, like w- when we work on things, like we'll do one webinar and then a webinar actually evolves and gets used and is the base for five more webinars. And it's yeah. really it evolving and getting better and better. And I think that's actually how we get, and we have our decks and our flow and, and how, what we present come out so well. well I think, I mean, yeah. Nobody gives us feedback, even though I asked for it. So, <laughs> you know, but I think they come out really well because this is, it's not really the first time I've given that presentation. This is the fifth version where we've really rehauled the deck three major times. You know, it, it looks like it was just popped out, but it was really eight months in the working and a lot of, you know, sleeping on it sort of moments. Yeah. When you say you're sleeping on it, like, do you have a draft of slides made? Like, what, is, what state does the deck look in? I guess like tangibly. Yeah. And then, yeah. And what, how does that help you precisely? The, yeah. The biggest thing is you know, I, uh, we do this together, but write an outline in a document first and then get that storyboard and the major structure, like the sections of the webinar done your visuals and where everything is and formatting that doesn't, you can finish that in the day of that doesn't matter, but, the, the, how how you're telling the story, what are your major talking points or, or things that you want to k- make sure it gets across on each slide. That is the stuff that you need to get done as soon as possible because the longer you have with it, the more you sort of simmer on it. And then when you're doing the formatting, you sort of like, since you already have that, you can sort of think of it as like a, as a secondary and then you come up with little tweaks from there. Yeah. And that, that's don't worry about the formatting and, and get the, get the outline structure really, 
really rock yeah. solid. Yeah, that those are those are some some great points and points of the process that we've collaborated on many times before. As you were saying that, it reminded me of other really important components that go into a deck, which is the image and visual assets. Well, the company at like Form Labs, which is like a 500 plus person company, we were luckily blessed with a studio team and dedicated video and photo people that will provide these assets to us. And I and the reason I ask is because I know you you've been able to do this on your own before. For folks who don't have resources like that, what do you suggest that they can do to try to still make a great deck to work at a massive company? Yeah, I think it's today it's more accessible than it's ever been. And I'm sure it'll continue to go that route. I mean, any modern smartphones camera is really darn good. And photography, videography, it's all about lighting. You know, you could have a pretty cruddy camera, but if you've got the scene really well lit and it's got good color and shadows and it looks interesting, you can really take amazing photos with anything. And like software to like, edit this stuff, you know, make video videos or even animated uh, GIFs. Yeah. They're all free. Like all the stuff I use for screen recording or, or video editing, 3D modeling, it's all, you know, open source, free software you can download. Yeah. I mean, that just to think about that, like 10, 20 years ago, I mean, geez, it's, it's, it was so, so different. You needed that studio. Yeah. Studio is much, it's, it's critical and it's really gets you that next maybe 10%. That last 10% is always the hardest 10% they say, but it's amazing what one person can do with, you know, off the shelf things, a computer and just going for it. I love that, that advice because it's true. Anyone can really get started because things are so much more accessible today. For folks that like might still might not just know where to start, because the other problem about things being accessible today is this information overload. There's just so many tools we could use, right? If you want to pick a screen recorder, there's like 10 different results that'll show up on Google. What did you choose? Like, because I know you've made, you've built your own like beautiful slides before and like filmed and shot your own things. What did you use? Can you give us any, any examples to, to the listener who was looking to kind of get their hands and feet dirty today? Yeah, um, it's important to mention, I used to be a Mac person back in the day. I'm completely switched over to Windows like 10 years ago. I don't think I'll ever look back. So, but like basic color control and photo editing, paint.net. Don't go to paint.net, Google it. It's, it's fantastic. It's free. It's open source. OBS Studio for screen recording. I stumbled into that one. And then I started looking and finding that a lot of people professionally actually use it. Uh, that was just a lucky find for CAD and 3D stuff. I use Blender, which is free. Yeah. Um, that's, I mean, I don't even know what else I even use. A GIF, like creating GIFs from videos, short clips. I just, there's like a free GIF creating website. A lot of, web, there's actually a lot of fantastic web-based applications, yeah. which are great. And I, I think there's a really important point here. Like 10 years ago, polish really mattered. But like about like eight, maybe five years ago, just the general level of people uh, being okay with not the most professionally made thing in the world has gone up exponentially. I think it's the advent of probably YouTube becoming so popular and you know people just recording crappy videos vertically in their phone 
right? But you don't have to really hit this high mark as long as it's clearly communicated and, and the, the visual should sort of speak for itself should be as good as you can make it and just don't have this whole slide be text. That's the biggest challenge. And I, you know, far as the, what, one of the major things I, it's hard for me to do all the time, but having one photo, I learned from you one photo in a slide. I always want to jam so many in there. Cause I, I want to sort of, you know, fuse all my photos, but it's, it's usually not a good idea. I've come to accept, but just one photo on a slide. And, and you mentioned earlier on that you know, I do hundred plus slides in 30 minutes. It's because it is one photo per slide and I'm talking for like five seconds per slide. So it really goes quick. And the, the user is just bombarded with, you know, me talking and the visual, the exact visual needed to explain what I'm talking about. Cause visuals always uh, help sort of um, fill in sort of maybe the information blanks that I'm not really getting out with my mouth. Yeah, totally. That's, that's music to my ears to hear that sound. I'm glad that you, you actually enjoy the process of, of the, the one photo per slide rule. And it's, it's definitely one take. There's many different takes that on it, but agreed. I think focus is important for folks as they're listening to a presentation. And, and yeah. I, I love that point about you can have raw images today in, in these decks because yeah. like, authenticity that's like one of the big things about a webinar is it feels authentic it feels real and you're right since everything's so democratized today from like tiktok videos to snapchat videos to youtube it's it's so easy to put something a little bit more rough yep um out there and still have it be consumable yeah nobody bats an eye anymore yeah I, that that was never it's a very recent phenomenon yeah so i i think it's a good thing because Video is by far the best way to teach presenting and video, you know, YouTube and, you know, having, you know, like I mentioned, dental CAD cam. Yeah. It's very complex. You know, we made a website that just had, you know, five minute tutorial videos, but that was the same way. Like if the audio wasn't perfect, it didn't matter. Just put the video out, move on to the next topic because there's so much to cover. Like if you get nitpicky on it, you're just going to kill yourself. That's so true. Yeah. Like you got 90, 80% of it there. Just that's good. You know, move yeah. on. I think it's actually difficult to, you know, convince some today that that is the case, that it doesn't really need to be professional. Like maybe there's a trailer video you make that's like professionally shot and like amazing, but like the majority of content looking like rough shot audio clips in here and there. Yeah. yeah that's not such a big deal anymore. Yeah, there's a saying, isn't it? Like perfectionism is like the enemy of progress or something along the lines of that. <laughs> yep. No, I, I believe it. Yeah. I, I'm a big picture person anyway, so it's very easy for me to sort of get down with that mentality. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a good opportunity for everybody that wants to do this stuff because it just, the bar is lowered totally. and everybody's okay with it and sort of everybody forgot why they cared so much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. Right. Totally. I, I mean, you're telling a story, you got to give information and you don't have, you know, a couple of weeks or a month to get it done. So makes sense. The last thing I'll mention is for workflow, I try to make simple visuals. If you know any creative types that do photography or videography for a living, just go intern 
with them or something offer to help them in some way and learn what you can from them. Cause everything I learned in dental and CAD cam, I learned from the people I worked with. Yeah. It wasn't from a book. And I just asked a million questions. And when you hang out with those types of people, you can pick up that those skills pretty quickly. Yeah. I mean, it also sounds like when you first started out on speaking on, on live events, you had co-hosts, right? So yep. did they have more experience with you or were you maybe oh. starting it off together? Oh yeah. Yeah. But I, I used to co-present with Bob Cohen. We used to have a podcast even called what's coming on. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, he's, he, he's owned a laboratory since like 1975. He knows he, you know, excellent dental, dental technician. Yeah. I, I learned a ton from him, but yeah, having him as a co-host and a backup, Really, it was immensely helpful, especially with a, a group that really knows their stuff and, and getting comfortable with that. Did you do like practice sessions with him before you, even for the podcast or the webinars? I know when we met each other, like in the summer of 2018, we got along instantly and it was easy, mm -hmm. easy to work with you. And like, it made the entire webinar experience more enjoyable every time I did dental webinars. Being easygoing right. and not like usually the person is like kind of killing themselves, but they kind of kill you in the process because they're nervous. They want to do it like perfect. It's okay. Just take a big picture. It's going to work out. Yeah. And you know, it does work out. Yeah. You know? Is there a favorite webinar you've done or one of your, yeah. One of your favorites that you've ever done or the best one that you've ever done? Yeah. Probably my last the last version of the history of dental 3D printing is, is one of my favorites. The history of dental 3D printing webinar was a 45 minute presentation where Sam talked about how the dental industry was truly transformed with a digital transformation in the past decade. And there was really three groundbreaking moments that, that made that happen. One of them being the company Invisalign launching their ClearLiner technology. So that's a bit of context to what that webinar is about. I figured it came, came top of mind for you. And, but what about it made it your favorite? Like, why does that stick out to you? That's a good question. I, I think it's because it has a lot of like, like I'm sharing so much of what I've learned in, in that webinar where it's, there's absolutely no sales sort of consideration in any of it. You know, I'm just giving good information yeah. and I, it, that makes me feel really good. And also, like I'd mentioned, this is like the fourth sort of revisit to it. So the deck is really, really nice now. I'm really comfortable with it at this point. Mm -hmm. And it's a ton of information and it's just all honest truth. And whenever I'm speaking honestly or like trying not trying to avoid, you know, a point or a topic that I know I shouldn't talk about, you know, it just always makes it uh, better for me. That's a very unique perspective because I didn't even realize that. For context for, for listeners, a lot of other webinars you do, they might be product focused and you might be trying to educate people about a specific product launch you just had, whether it be some type of new dental 3D printing material, for example, material that you can use to make 3D printed dentures. But you're saying the topic of the history of dental 3D printing felt easier or better for you because you didn't ha you didn't have an end goal of I want to sell this much of this product at all. Right. Exactly. No, that's exactly right. And also like too knowing too much is sometimes a bad thing. And you know being the product manager and a part of like validating and testing and breaking and fixing 
I know so much about these products that I launched that like, it's a bit of a landmine for me. Like there's no perfect product in the world. Let's be honest. Right. No matter what it is, there's always some good and there's always some bad. Yeah. And so like, I'm, I'm always like feeling like, okay, I'm, I'm avoiding this on purpose, whatever it may be. Yeah. And and it just kind of makes me feel a little funny. I'm a very honest person. Yeah. So I I don't really like that as much. Of course. I, I am with you on that. That's why I encourage folks to talk about the pros and cons anytime they can. Yeah. <laughs> it's and not I, the I, thing to do, but. And, and I think the history of 3D printing was one of those sort of webinars or, or, you know, videos that I just made for fun. It wasn't even like we need to make a webinar for this. I just want to do it. Yeah. Right? So it was a passion project. I think that's another reason why I like it so much. Cause I, I really owned it. Nobody was no sales or like metrics around how many leads came in or whatever. None of that was involved. I just wanted to make it for fun. Actually my favorite version of it is post on YouTube just publicly, you know, on purpose uh, because uh, you know, that, that's like my passion video. I want people to see it. I don't, I don't want to lead for it. Just watch it. And if you learn something, that's cool. If not, that's cool too. I love it. I think Dan Pink has a book on this. It's about, human motivation and what motivates folks. And when sometimes you have no restraints or almost no goals given to you and you're able to kind of just be inspired and work on something creatively, that's when you sometimes get your best output. You knew all of a sudden and you wanted the world to know as well. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. No, that's like, that's a great feeling when that happens. You're like, I need to share this with other people. (laughs) This is information other people need to learn. Yeah. It's, it's whenever I have a conversation with somebody and I start saying the same thing, like I talk to people on the phone quite often. Yeah. And if I'm explaining the same sort of uh, trick or technique or whatever, more than a couple of times, I'll just quick make a video about it. So that way, if I ever get to any email about that question or a question, you know, a phone call, say, Oh yeah, I know exactly what you're dealing with. And I've already made a video. Here you go. Yeah. People have been doing that for me more recently, and it's funny. I worked at a video company, Wistia, right before Formlabs. And Formlabs is a 3D printing company. Wistia makes a video player. It's one of the most widely used video players in the world. And there I was taught to basically use video as much as I can. It's it's an excuse, right? So I would try to send screen share videos when I could, but then I kind of lost the habit of it. Mm. And then recently, someone will just record something and go over, like, my homepage my personal website and say, oh, this is what I like. This is what I don't like. And maybe you could fix this. And I was like, wow, it took him three minutes to record that using Loom. It's another great screen sharing application. Right. Online. And I got immediate feedback. That was very useful. I found it very personable and it taught me stuff. Yep. Yeah. I think that's actually probably the best tip in this whole uh, podcast is doing videos training and teaching recorded is a great way to start and do screen share with you using say a CAD program or video editing, audio, whatever it is with your face in the corner, or maybe even not your face if you're not comfortable, but that is a great way where you don't have an audience and you could just get comfortable speaking off the top of your head and going through something that, yeah. uh, that that's actually, if I were to start like doing this today, that's how I would, I would start just doing tutorial videos, educational videos, short less than <laughs> five minutes around and then and then when you start doing webinars it's gonna be like second nature because it's kind of the same thing what is your audio video setup like what do you got going on oh so i got 
just the ex- external boom mic I found on Amazon for 80 bucks. The reviews seemed okay. It's decent. And it came with like the whole, like it's got an articulating arm thing, you know? Oh. I mean, and I think like- with, a pop filter on there? Yeah. And I, I think for, you know, live streaming stuff, you get to like a plateau where like it kind of doesn't matter how much better your mic gets because you only have so much, you know, bandwidth to get that audio out anyway. So the $80 range is probably fine. Yetis are too expensive for me. And then yeah, getting away from laptop cameras was a big step up for me. Yeah. I also would never wear these headphones. I'd wear, you know, earbuds or whatever. Also, I'm, I have this background on because the chair I'm actually sitting on is like my comfy chair. It is hideous. <laughs> but I have a second chair next to me that is low back. So I'll put in my other headphones, use the low back chair, put on a shirt and not use any background. I will, I'll just use what's behind me here. If I could just turn off my uh, thing above here. And I turn off this. The virtual background? Yeah. Oh, here's choose virtual background. Let me just turn this off. Yeah. You can see, I just, it, like other than my hideous chair, yeah. there's nothing there. It's just a nice white wall, good lighting. So I'd run like two more lights than I'm running right now even though the color looks okay, even. Do you run lights? Where, do you, where did you get lighting from and how did you even know what lights to choose? It's one of those things, don't overthink. You know those utility lights, those clamp-on utility lights you get from a hardware store? Yep. You get like four of them for 25 bucks. Just get those, get a bright white 100-watt LED bulb. Okay. Don't, don't, no less than 100-watt. The other ones are too weak. Okay. And that's it. Don't get yellow, white. Get the bright blue light and just have those things pumping around i put them on a big uh surge protector so I, they're all just one button and how, how are they yeah. fixated do you have them on a tripod or something no i just have them like stuck to my dresser or doorknob or whatever you know that's the nice huh. thing about the the clamp the utility light is you, you set them up you look at your screen you can move them around it doesn't really matter yeah but, that's a nice those, that's 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 a great hack that you just suggested i listen to people talk about their equipment all the time and not many people have that. And I think it is that easy. It's like go to Home Depot. Yeah. It's like a pack of 500 watt, nice LED light bulbs. It's like 20 bucks. Those lights, 20 bucks. I mean, you're, you're up and rolling with nice lighting. Yeah. And my cat is meowing. And this is like a hundred dollar webcam. It's okay. uh, I tried to get a Logitech, but they're all sold out with COVID, but this is like a 4k Chinese thing, but it's good at one at 1080p. Okay. Uh, which so is what which Chinese brand or where you got it from? Is this an Alibaba.com situation? No, it's Amazon. Amazon. But, yeah, Amazon. I get everything on Amazon. Who doesn't? Yeah, I mean, it's again, it's like don't spend too much, don't overthink it. You know, the having an external mic versus like a laptop mic is such a huge improvement in and of itself. Like, it's hard to get to that next level otherwise, right? That last 20 or 10%. You have to spend thousands to get better. So don't spend the big bucks. Like, yeah. I, I agree with you about bandwidth and not many people talk about bandwidth. So rem- just remember that at some point, Zoom or YouTube Live, the streaming platform is going to cap you at whatever that bit rate you have. So right, $80 mic is wonderful. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And you, could, you could get so in the weeds with all this stuff too. Like lights, cameras. Yeah. I'd rather do everything pretty well than yeah. one thing really well. Yeah, for sure. Haircut, shave. Yeah. You know? 
exactly. Collared shirt. Do you have like your own, you know, makeup team and everything too? You got a hairstyler behind you? No, I do have a gel, gel and a comb I sometimes use. <laughs> Super easy. <laughs> Makes life convenient. Yeah. yeah. Don't overthink it. I think that's the sort of moral of the story for, for this stuff. For sure. Now we touched on a lot of tips for, for people who are looking to get started in speaking and, and doing webinars for the first time. But if you had one thing to tell someone who's doing this next week and they're just still not sure, they're like still want to kind of back out of it, what would you say to them to kind of jump in and get started? I think the, the point that we came to a little bit ago about like finding something you love, a passion, whether it's on the computer, knitting, doesn't matter. Figure out how to make a one-take tutorial or training on, on that passion project you have and expand on it. Think about like secondary videos from there or how to structure like a whole program. And that is really the foundation to how to make a webinar. You're just doing that same thing just live and in one presentation that's 30 minutes long. So, I mean, honestly, the, the, again, the barrier of entry is so low, start there. And if you're professional and you already know what you're talking about, it's going to be even easier. But uh, so, a lot of people will want to sort of find that profession and doing what you love and making that content about it, it might lead into something that you really truly want to do anyway. Sort of how I stumbled into CAD CAM dentistry. Yeah, I love that. I think that's a, a great tip for folks to take away with them. And I think hopefully that can inspire more folks to get more comfortable on the camera, get more comfortable with speaking, and then start making webinars and live streams for themselves. Thank you so much for joining the, this, this podcast and this show, Sam. Anytime. Thanks first. Have All a good one. Thanks for tuning in. If you want to hear more stories about the art of going live or tips on video creation, subscribe to this show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It'll really help the show and I'd love your feedback anytime. Feel free to send me an email with your thoughts on this episode and how we can make it better. Shoot me an email at forest at professional-webinars.com. Once again, that's Faris, F-A-R-I-S, at professional-webinars.com. You can also get in touch with me there to just chat webinars, live streams, and video creation. I'd be happy to give you some guidance and share you content that can help you in your video creation journey.